Hi, welcome to the RN Prep Podcast. This is Dr. T. Stevens. I've taken a few weeks off this summer and um, have missed getting to share some of these episodes with you. I really do want to say a big thank you to everyone who's reached out and expressed interest in more podcasts and asking me, are you coming back? What's going to happen here? And I am happy to say that, yes, I have lots of episodes ready to launch or almost ready to launch. And we're going to begin today with a very special guest, Dr. Rebecca Kozolinski, who is a a friend and colleague, a nurse scientist, an innovator, and an entrepreneur. And you're probably going to recognize her work, even if you don't recognize her name. But um, this is an episode that I believe will be of great interest, especially to Uh, nurse leaders and uh, those who are in doctoral programs to look at some of the amazing things that nurses are doing, specifically in the area of science and innovation. So I hope you sit back and enjoy this this episode and uh, look forward to sharing a few more new podcast episodes with you over the next few weeks. And thanks again for being a listener and for reaching out and uh, for all that you do. This episode of the RN Prep Podcast was originally recorded in May 2020 during Nurses Week. Well, hello everyone. This is T. Stevens with the RN Prep Podcast, and it is my pleasure to introduce a great friend and colleague to you today. Her name is Dr. Rebecca Kozolinski, and I think that the timing is just amazing on actually having her as a guest with me today as we are in the midst of 2020, which has been designated the year of the nurse. And not only that, but we are in the midst of Nurses Week. And today, May 6th, is actually Nurses Day, the official day, which also happens to be Dr. Kozolinski's birthday. So there's lots of wonderful things in the air today um, around this recording and um, of specific importance, I think, is that the Year of the Nurse has been designated um, around three concepts, excel, lead, and innovate. And I think that Rebecca demonstrates all three of these in the magnificent work she has done as a nurse scientist and an entrepreneur. So, Dr. Kozolinski, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. Oh, Dr. Stevens, it is my absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, you are very welcome. I have been wanting to do this for a while, and um, we have known each other for several years, and I have followed closely the the work that you have done. And I think many of the people listening will recognize your work, but may not put your name with it just because um, you're so humble, for one thing, and um the the work that um, we'll talk a little bit about today, this creation of a, an app that is being used, has been featured in a widely distributed uh, commercial that's played in various forms of the media through Johnson & Johnson. Um, and I think a lot of the listeners will have seen that, but may not know that it was you who created that. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how people may recognize you and what part of your work is in that uh, video and in that uh, media. Oh, so that is a great question, Tees. I um, was featured in the Johnson and Johnson Nurses Change Lives 2018 media piece, and I'm in that very last segment. 
um, or my work is represented in that very last segment. Um, I've had people say to me, well, that wasn't really you. And I've said, well, that's not Florence Nightingale either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm represented by someone else. And uh, the app was actually taken uh, to, I believe it was filmed in Prague, and it was used with a patient there. Um, so none of that was contrived. That was... Um, it was a surprise to me when I saw the media piece come back to me, and it, it still moves me to uh, to tears uh, to hear the message that it may be helpful for people who are unable to communicate. And how did you come to develop this app? And will you describe first a little bit about what the app is and then tell us um, how you came to develop this? Certainly. So I was working with a group of clients, friends really in the community who had communication disabilities. And when they were hospitalized, they felt that they lost control. They were unable to um, participate in their care. And so they asked me if I would please develop a solution. Now at that time, there was not a lot out there uh, in apps. So we're back to like 2010. Mm. And um, I developed the uh, the menu with their assistance. They they informed me about what needed to be on that menu for hospitalization. So this is a hospital specific app for communication. It is uh, it just talks about what a person may need while they are in acute care or in a step down or in rehab, but it's all hospital um, based. Well, so what is the name of the app and is it available to anyone or do you have to be, um, do you have to be a part of a hospital in order to acquire this? How would someone who is interested in using this type of app find it or, or be able to use it? We reached a point very recently where we decided it would be most appropriate to release the app to the community and there is no cost to do so. So you only need to go to the app store and download it. The name of the app is Speak For Myself Voice. There's a hyphen, so it's Speak For Myself hyphen voice. And the reason it's named Speak For Myself is when I asked the people who helped inform the, the development of this app, when I asked them, who would you like to speak, who, who should speak for you? They said, oh no, we wanna speak for ourselves. I want to speak for myself. And that's, that's powerful. What, that, that's why we have um, fought to keep that name. Um, and then we added voice to it. So speak for myself voice. So in the middle of this interview, I asked Dr. Kozolinski how Johnson & Johnson actually found her in order to feature her as part of the Nurses Change Lives commercial. And she did not have that information on hand, but she was gracious enough after the interview was over to contact them to find out exactly how that evolved. And so we have that here. She was kind enough to record that and to send that to me. So I would like to include that because I think it's very useful, um, especially for the nursing students or um, those who are seeking to maybe um, become more active in innovation or as nurse scientists, how um, these things actually evolve. It, it, it takes time um, and contacts are so important and getting the information out there and sharing it. And so I think that it's a very interesting story and in how they located her, which has led to such great work. So I want to share that now. So one of the questions you asked me that I could not answer earlier 
was about how Johnson and Johnson located me and how that story came forward. And so I wrote to uh, my friends at Johnson and Johnson and asked that question. And they actually hired a creative agency um, who hired a consultant. And um, apparently it was a story that it was online in 2018. Uh, that's just when I was uh, uh, publishing my first works on uh, Speak For Myself Voice. And someone saw that and uh, did some uh, extensive uh, uh, research into who I am and what this, this product is or this, what this innovation is and um, then got in touch with me. And uh, I guess the rest is history. Wonderful. So, you know, these things are, these types of innovations um, often take years of work um, and study and research before they're ever launched. So I would like to go back a few years, if that's okay, and discover a little bit about who you are as a nurse and how you became a nurse scientist. And um, especially for the listeners and, and just for your information, a lot of the listeners are students, um, are, you know, undergraduate students as well as graduate students trying to decide their next steps and okay. the path that they're going to take. And I think that the narratives and the stories of people such as you who have gone on to truly do innovative work as a scientist. I think your stories are very powerful in that they can help them find their own paths and their own journeys. So um, it, if you don't mind to describe a little bit about how you became a nurse and what that has looked like for you, that journey, your own personal journey in nursing. Yeah. And it, it was a journey. It's still a journey because I'm not done. Um, I started out actually as a bench scientist in the pathology lab as a histologic technician. Um, and I did that for a while and I, I loved it. I love being a scientist. I love science. Um, but I decided at one point that I wanted to use my knowledge to work with people rather than tissues. And, um, and I made that jump to, uh, to an undergraduate nursing program at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh as an adult. So I was married at the time and we were just having our first child and um, I finished up my baccalaureate there. And then I started out in a float pool at what was Mercy Medical in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Back then we had float pools, which meant you'd go in in the morning and they would float you out to units that mm -hmm. were appropriate for you, but you you did not know, you never knew what you were going to get the next day. And so that meant um, you needed to read every night. Uh, you needed to be up on the, the most the, the latest techniques and issues because you didn't necessarily have time to do that once you arrived. So I did that. And then we moved out to Colorado for my husband's career. And um, there was not a lot out there at that time. So I held several jobs, including oncology, um, outpatient infusion. I did home health. I was uh, a DME uh, person. I'd go out and deliver DME. And I was a staff development coordinator at a, uh, a long-term care home and or facility, I should say. And then I stepped up to assistant director of nursing. And then I was acting director of nursing very briefly. And then we moved again. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
So then we went to New England, right? We went to New England and um, I took a year break. That was very nice. And then we moved again. And then we went to Louisville, Kentucky. And at Louisville, Kentucky, I actually worked as a recruiter for uh, uh, one of the hospitals there, Norton Healthcare. Mm. And then we moved again. <laughs> we went down to South Florida, and I was a uh, case manager for all of the acute, for the ICU, CCU units at Delray Medical. And it was there that I decided that I wanted to teach. And to teach, that meant that I needed to go back to school. So I went back to Florida Atlantic University, and I, uh, I did a master's in education. And while I was doing that, I taught at... Uh, Kaiser Career College. I'm not sure you're familiar with that, but that's an LPN program. And I did mm -hmm. that. I did lab for South University. Um, <laughs> I, I picked up as many valuable experiences that I could while I was in my master's. And then I graduated with my master's and I stepped into a teaching role at Florida Atlantic University. And then the PhD bug bit me. And <laughs> I went right into the PhD. So from 2008 to um, when I finally graduated in 2014 with my PhD, it was a, a solid, dedicated journey toward nursing excellence and learning to be a nurse scientist. When you chose PhD, was that a clear path for you or did you at ever, did you at any time consider the DNP role or did you always know you wanted to be a scientist? Um, scientist. I've always known that that was my, my uh, journey. And to be honest, I did not know I was going to do a PhD. I knew mm. I would be somewhere in academia. Um, I, and at the time that I was doing my PhD, the DNP was not really a clear choice. Um, right. But I, yeah. I think I think I made the right choice in going for the uh, the Ph.D. Uh, oh, I do, I'll, too. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're clearly a scientist, you know, and have the scientific mind and, the you know, asking questions and seeking answers and solutions. And um, but a lot of, you know, the and it was the same for me, too. The DNP was so new. Um, but I knew I wanted to do research. I was not interested in practice. And but I think that now, you know, there's a lot of people who truly struggle with that decision and that's OK. Um, but, I, you know, it's it's always interesting for me to to hear from other people if they knew that it was a clear you know, path for them or if they, you know, had to to really evaluate the two sides of that. Um, so when you said, I think you mentioned earlier that you actually developed the app that we, we talked about um, a little earlier in the conversation, that you did that as part of your doctoral studies. Did you go into the PhD program knowing that you were interested in communication disorders or disabilities? Um, and I, I apologize if I used the wrong term there. Um, no, not at all. Here, here's the thing. I... Um, I had specialized in rehabilitation and uh, that's partially because I have a personal experience with being injured and then uh, rehabilitating back to uh, the highest level of function um, that I could acquire. And so I was, I had a sensitivity for people who have disabilities. I was in the community teaching undergraduate nurses how to work with and not fear people who have disabilities. Mm. And it was at that center at which that um, 
well, let me say that again. It was at that center where I learned that there was a problem with communication for people who have disabilities, such as cerebral palsy, spina bifida, closed head injuries. And that's how I became engaged in communication issues with people who have disabilities. That That's fascinating. You know, I, someone once told me, um, and I, and they were speaking directly about my work and resilience, but I've, I've found this to be true of so many people that those of us who do um, pursue a calling or, you know, a, a, a distinct research path that, you know, we build a, a career around an area of research, it stems from something personally, oftentimes. Um, which is definitely true for me. And, and I find that interesting for you that you recognized a need based on your own personal experiences and um, chose the science path um, in order to find solutions for something that affected you individually. And I think that's um, a great lesson for others who are experiencing any kind of adversity or any kind of challenges that, you know, if, if you're really, interested in doing something about it, you know, there are ways of doing that. And and for both of us, it was choosing to continue our education to learn what it means to become a scientist in order to find answers to those questions. Do you agree? Absolutely. Our I think our job is not only to be a scientist, but then to use that science, to use that knowledge to be able to solve problems. Let's let's talk about um, now that the app is out there, it's been released and we've um, we've shared a little bit about how people can access that. What's next for you as a scientist, as a nurse, as a human being? Um, what is um, what's in your future? Well, I am really excited about what is coming next. I'm headed to a new um, university. I'm headed out to University of Oklahoma as an associate professor. And in that role, I'm not only in the College of Nursing, which is fantastic, I'm also going to be at the Health Science Center. And that will give me some opportunity to work with uh, nurses in evidence-based practice and, and whatever uh, they need me to do out there. Oh, that is fantastic. And you're also doing some really interesting things with a couple of um, professional organizations, I understand. Is that correct? Sure. Are we talking about Sansiel? Yes, yes. I could not yeah. remember how to say the name, Sansiel. Yes. Will you explain a little bit about what that is? Absolutely. This is an organization that is designed to support nurses who are innovators, who have ideas that um, need space and need air, and we and leadership as well. And what we do is we gather and we talk about problems and we brainstorm solutions. We do hackathons. Um, this organization is headed up by a dynamic nurse named Rebecca Love. Um, her energy is just amazing. And um, she saw the need to develop this organization for people who, for nurses who are thinking outside the box and would like to uh, gather with like-minded nurses to talk about the problems and the potential solutions. Um, they have a upcoming hackathon for COVID ideas, which I'm, I'm so interested to see what will come out of those discussions. That and is anyway. amazing. And I've been following uh, Sansil and I actually joined the organization and um, I, it, it just speaks to me on so many levels. And I think for anyone who really is advocating for a radical shift in the profession, but also just, you know, in healthcare in general, I think it's 
there's going to be many opportunities that come out of this organization. Do you mind to define hackathon for those who are listening who may have never heard that term before? Sure, sure. Well, I'm sure that uh, your audience has heard of life hacks um, and ways to get the stuff done. Let's just put it that way. And what a hackathon is, is you gather, uh, there's usually a topic or several topics and you sit and you brainstorm and you draw and you brainstorm again and you come up with a solution. At the end of it, generally you pitch it to the entire audience. And if it's a, if it's a pitch that is accepted as valuable, then generally that idea will go forward. Now, what that means, uh, I don't know because it doesn't, uh, items don't usually go directly to commercialization. There's a process that you need to go through, but that idea, maybe that technology will move ahead in development um, toward whatever that problem is, whatever that solution needs to be. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, it and, sounds like amazing fun. It is. And you can come in with ideas that you would, probably never pitch to anyone else because you might be thinking this is not a good idea I'm just a nurse what would I know but the premise of this uh, organization is that nurses do know that nurses mm -hmm. are in the patient area who better to talk about what the solutions need to be um, here's and here's my take on it if you want to find out what does not work you just look in the the window of any hospital room and that pay just look at what is thrown in there and that will tell you what technology does not actually work in that setting for whatever reason so if we have nurses who are helping to identify the problems and come up with solutions so it's not only patient friendly it's also nurse friendly then there's a better chance that that technology will actually be used and and perhaps will solve the problems. That is that is so wonderful because it's actually what we preach all the time to do. Um, you know, when thinking outside the box and being innovative and positive disruption, all of these buzzwords that we hear all of the time. But in reality, we're often truly um, prisoners of precedent. Um, you know, it, because of um, you know adherence to, you know, rigid policies or rules or people being scared of change or taking risks. Um, but I, I do believe that nurses are um, truly innovative and have become so usually because of a, a distinct need um, for being able to, to get things done. Um, so if someone, is this a virtual platform or is this in person, this ha uh, the hackathon event? I think because of COVID-19, this next one is virtual. Um, the uh, person, how should I call them? What do we say them? The, the people populated uh, uh, events have been canceled for this year. Okay. Yes, I understand that. Okay, great. Well, I will put a link to uh, the organization's website on the podcast website. Uh, uh, website and anyone that's interested in learning more about the hackathon or Sansil can um, find that there. So sure. I appreciate you sharing that. That is fantastic. And um, exactly what uh, nurses are doing, you know, we're being innovative and um, truly um, we, we hack things up every day, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> every moment of every day. Every moment of every day. <laughs> nurses are constantly looking for solutions. Um, and I think 
at this time of COVID-19, which we hope will not last forever, I think there's a, um, a greater need uh, for serving our patient population, and that needs to be done through innovation. Absolutely. I agree completely. Um, and so, you know, I appreciate you sharing your next steps. I look forward to uh, following more of your journey and uh, seeing what amazing things you're going to do in Oklahoma. They, the people of Oklahoma are certainly going to be blessed to um, have you join them out there. And uh, I know that there's just great things in store for you and them uh, in the near future. Well, um, as we as we wrap up, I want to say thank you for giving of your time today. And I always um, end the podcast with a question of the guests, and that is, what are you reading now? Or is there a book that you've read recently or that you're currently reading that has just really spoken to you or that you would recommend to others? Yes. So I've been doing two things, actually. Um, the first is I've been listening to uh, Sir Patrick Stewart read Shakespeare's sonnet a day. And you, yeah, you can pick that up on Facebook or on Twitter. And I end every day with uh, Patrick Stewart uh, reciting a sonnet. Thing. Um, I've been reading Castle of Kings and it's by Oliver Potch. Um, this author is amazing. He, um, it's a historic novel. And he's best known for his multi-volume saga called The Hangman's Daughter, which this is part of The Hangman's Daughter. Um, he's really interesting. These uh, stories are drawn from uh, a series of his own family history. Uh, he's uh, He descends from a long line of executioners uh, back to medieval times. So it's really interesting to read his work because it's historical, and yet there's fiction included. Um, it also includes family history, and um, it's just a lot of fun to read. I know the topic is sort of macabre, but it's really interesting in a historical context. So he talks about the region and the buildings, and he has a great imagination of what it may have looked like uh, back in that time. Well, I love talking to you, and this has been just such a treat for me. And um, thank you, um, not only for just taking time out of an already busy schedule, but on your birthday and on Nurses Day. So thank you for being a nurse and thank you for following your passion and your calling and doing just such amazing work. And I hope that you'll come back and share with us um, more at once you get to Oklahoma and um, just give us a quick update on um, more of the great things that you're doing. Tisa, I would love that. And thank you so much for what you do. Um, this is amazing work and I have enjoyed watching you and I'm going to continue to watch what you're doing well, and I hope we get to go to Poland sometime. Oh, absolutely. We'll just, once this COVID is over, we'll, we'll definitely make some plans. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And I, I hope you invite me back and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Absolutely. We'll invite you back. Have a great birthday. Thank you. Happy <laughs> Nurses Day. You too. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the RN Prep podcast and certainly want to say um, a huge thanks to Dr. Rebecca Kozolinski and wish her much success as she begins her new uh, ventures at the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center. Um, if you're interested in any of the resources or uh, the information that was mentioned in this podcast, for instance, Sonsil, 
um, information about the app itself. You can find all of this on the website, and that is at rn-prep.com. And just go to the section on podcast, or you can go there directly at rn-prep.com slash podcast. So hope you have a great day. Stay well and be safe.